Blog Talk Radio. before the Congressional Committee to tell what I knew of activities which might lead to an attempt to set up a fascist dictatorship. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. President Bush signed a formal agreement that will end the United States as we know it. And he took the step without approval from either the U.S. Congress or the people of the United States. The secret organizations of the world power elite are no longer secret. It's known as the Bilderberg Group. Could their objective be world domination? I'm Jim Tucker. I've chased Bilderberg for 30 years. I'll never... Give up the chase. Bilderberg's plan for the whole world is nothing less than world government. I'm not comfortable with that at all. Who elected these guys to run the planet? They are the elitists. They feel they should run the world for their own selfish interests. Now we can see a new world coming into view. A world in which there is a very real prospect of a new world order. Bilderberg is making great progress toward a world government, and only an educated, informed public can stop them in their tracks. David Rockefeller admits in his own memoirs that he wants to destroy the United States. He's a traitor! It's good to be back at the Council on Foreign Relations. As uh, Pete mentioned, I've been a member for a long time and was actually a director for some period of time. I never mentioned that when I was campaigning for re-election back home in Wyoming. Let us never tolerate outrageous conspiracy theories.
move off the property, please. Some shots were fired. There's Bilderbergers right there. The Trans-Texas Corridor is a vital part because we stop it here in Texas. We stop the New World Order right here in Texas. This thing started here. And to save this country, we kill this damn thing here. There is a chance for the President of the United States to carry out a phrase his father used, and that is a new world order. Your new world order will fall. Yeah. Humanity will defeat you. The answer to 1776. All right, everybody, Joseph Gibson podcasting here, understanding the times in which we live today. Oh, where do you begin here? Finally, people are starting to figure out the Russia and the Ukraine thing. Uh, some people um, were, uh, I guess you could say, glad that the the mainstream zombies out there, they're playing their backdoor games, and the people of Ukraine are held in the middle hostage. And really, you know, if you tried explaining it to the average person out there, what's really happening and what's happening and why it's happening and what the global reset is all about and this is how they're going to usher in their their new world order uh you most people look at you like you're crazy well what happened to fauci where's fauci at where'd he go remember fauci remember that guy remember the mask don't wear a mask wear a mask don't wear a mask what happened the you know I guess COVID just disappeared, huh? I guess it's gone. No more COVID, huh? Vaccines, I guess, don't you know? Don't work, or they work? They don't work. They work, don't work. No more booster shots. No more, no more ID cards to travel. Uh, you know, right? I mean, you don't hear nothing about it. That's it. It's gone. Mad poof, gone. <laughs> right? I mean, well, <laughs> remember that guy Fauci? I mean, <laughs> he was on the news every day. Telling us how we got to do. Now it's nothing. Now it's Putin, 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 Putin. <laughs> oh, it's amazing how they can control the world. They can control everything. What you see, what you smell, what you taste, how you think, who you're going to kill, what you're going to do, your life. They, they got it all planned out. And they can control you very well, very well. 
still got some idiots walking around wanting to carry on the old old slave uh, task of wearing a mask. You still see them walking around here and there, you know, walking, you know, thinking that's going to save them, you know. <laughs> I'll show them. We'll get this mask. We'll keep this mask thing going a little while longer. Yeah, we can do it. Come on. <laughs> They're walking around with their mask all proud. I'm going to cooperate still, see? See, I was always wearing my mask. <laughs> And then you got people walking around still, yeah, COVID, yeah, it had me so sick, man. Oh, that COVID is still kicking my butt. You know? <laughs> never had no COVID. You don't know what you're talking about. It's still, but they don't get it, though. They still don't get it. They believe it. They believe it. They believe that that COVID was 100% real and that that thing was just, you know, out there. And it was, they just believe it. <laughs> You know, and uh, it's sad. It's sad. It's sad. You, you know, they had no idea. We explained it to them a million ways from one to how what, what it was all about for since the beginning, and they still just didn't get it, a lot of people. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do? But anyway, um, hey, what do you think is going to happen here? We I called to hear about the Russia thing. You know, it's, uh, it's pretty much a uh, uh, foregone conclusion what's going to be happening there. Um, They are really, really trying to get Poland roped into this. They want to get NATO involved. They want this World War III. They can taste it. They can taste it. It's right at the cusp. I mean, they want that no-fly zone because it will be an impossibility to enforce, and and Putin will not not obey it. So that will be the, the spark, the beginning of World War III, because once a NATO plane is shot down, Article what is it? Article three, Article five, it automatically takes place, and we we're at war. You have we have it's automatic. So, and from what I understand, Taiwan is next. That's next. If this happens with a plane getting shot down, uh, a NATO plane or something like that, um, if they get this no-fly zone up and going, and um, Something along the lines where they get some phony ceasefire and it's broken. Uh, as soon as that happens, Taiwan will be – they're going to go after Taiwan. China will go after Taiwan. They're going to grab Taiwan because they're not, they, that's their piece of the pie. That's what they're going to want out of this World War III. And uh, then you're going to have India and Pakistan going at it with each other. Uh, they've been hating, hating on each other for a while. And you're going to have the alliance of Russia, Iran, uh, uh, um um, Pakistan, China, um, those are the other, that's going to be the, the, that group of countries there. You have Venezuela, um, that, that you know that'll be part of that that group right there. And then you'll have the United States, you know, um, Canada, uh, uh, Great Britain, uh, Australia, France, um, Poland. You know, all the European countries. They, you know, now be now be your war, your big war right there. So, and. Uh, you know, there's not going to be, they're not going to do nuclear missiles. It's not going to happen. If you do get one or two off, it'll be isolated. And it'll be minimal, minimal damage. It's not going to happen. They're not going to blow up the planet, okay? Because we have space, techno- space, a space force, remember Trump revealed that. We, always, we already had it for about 20 years. Trump just told you about it, all right? So we got stuff up there that will shoot. Those missiles right out from outer space. So they, because the nuclear missiles, they don't fly across the planet. You know, they go up into outer space, and then as the Earth turns, so, you know. But of course, you can't tell that to a flat earther. 
you know. But the Earth turns, and then the missile, you know, goes, finds its target, and pew, goes straight down. So the missile doesn't travel across the ocean and over by your bedroom door window, bedroom window, and you know, hey, there goes one nuke right there. That way, no, it's not how they travel. So, uh, but um, so that's what's going to happen uh, if if those if those scenarios play out. But well, let's explain this this uh, this uh, denazifying uh, as, as it was called. And Putin never said that, but that's what the the, the media tried portraying it as because Nazi Nazi you know everybody see hears that word and you know automatically it's evil you know but that's what they said remember Putin said he was denazifying Ukraine no 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 so but that's the media and that's how they portray everything so let's get the facts here straight about uh, um, uh, Ukraine here I got about a two minute thing here to play this woman who was uh, 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 in, was in Ukraine? Okay, she broke away, and uh, she's going to pretty much lay it out in a couple minutes here of what everything is and truthfully what's happening. Okay, you won't hear this on the news media. You won't hear it on uh, most of your social media out there. You know, very few people got the video, and I put it out there actually on social media. A couple other people did, and um, it's probably gone or been shadow banned or taken down or something. You know, but some places still got it up, but. There's a few of them out there that explain really what's going on and what's happening, and to the, to the best of, because really nobody knows the truth 100% of what's really going on, unless you're actually there. But for the best part, this pretty much explains it to the best of the capabilities of what information is out there, seeing is believing, hearing is not eyeing. I don't know how it goes, you know, the old saying. But we'll play this for you, and uh, you tell me what you think on this. Um, it's it's pretty good. Uh, this girl pretty much breaks it down, and uh, I'm going to play this here for you if I can get it up here quickly. Um, but and then the phone number is six five seven three eight three zero six one six, and you can uh, you know uh, uh, call in with your thoughts here on the Ukraine World War Three scenario. But let's see here. Let me get this going here. I got the video up running now. Here we go. With all the Nian events happening, I happen to be from Ukraine. My mom is Russian. My dad is Ukrainian. I grew up in Ukraine, and I now live in the United States. What we are being shown in the news is not truth compared to what's been going on. And I want to shed some light to the full situation so people understand exactly what's been happening. For whatever reason, right now everyone is blaming Russia for Ukraine problems, but I can tell you that even before World War II, there has been a big Nazi presence in Ukraine, and that is literally the reason my family um, left Ukraine and we were able to come to the United States. So during World War II, when the Nazi trains were passing through Ukraine, um, Ukrainians would shoot the Jews inside the train cars, and they were actually helping the Nazis while um, Russians were fighting the war against the Nazis. For a long time, Ukraine has had a Nazi presence, and it has uh, really gained power since the country hasn't been able to really come up with any positive leadership. And so over the last eight years, 
um, the provinces of Ukraine have been fighting among themselves. Just to give you more background, quite a few people in Ukraine are of Russian descent. I would say almost a third are of Russian descent. And um, the provinces have been clashing. There is a group of Ukrainian nationalists that has attempted to push those of Russian descent out of the country. So imagine if the United States um, attempted to push out people of Mexican heritage who have been living there for generations and to send them back home. That's what's been happening. So the Russian, the Russian descent people have actually been asking Russia to annex the provinces where there's the highest Russian concentration. But the Ukrainian nationalists don't want to surrender the land. They just want to push out the Russian people. This is the reason thousands and thousands of people have actually left Ukraine and went back to Russia, and some of them stayed. For years, there has been a battle on the ground among citizens school bombings, hospital bombings, public parks, uh, public places, killing a lot of citizens. And this is, this is what they don't tell you. We think that out of nowhere Russia just decided to attack Ukraine. In reality, Ukraine has had so many problems that its citizens would rather be a part of Russia where they at least have some police and social services and things like that. When I left the country in 1995, people were on the streets hunting pigeons, street pigeons, to eat as food. People were getting stabbed. A guy was blown up in front of my window. And all these kinds of events were just commonplace. Ukraine has been a huge place for um, organ harvesting, child sex trafficking, and it was a constant worry on parents' minds. In fact, when I was nine years old, right before we decided to leave to America and started that process, I was grabbed on the streets in broad daylight by a well-dressed man with a suitcase who said, hey, little girl, do you want to make a million dollars? And he started dragging me down a dark alley, and I'm not sure what the intention was, but probably child sex trafficking. And I was able to twist out of his grip, and I just ran for my life. So that's how common it, it was in everyday life. So over the last eight years, there has been a civilian war. Crimea and two other provinces who are mostly Russian descent have, have wanted to go back to Russia. Russia annexed Crimea, and then Ukrainians turned off the water that's supplied by the river. They put, um, they put a, a barrier, a barricade to stop the water from flowing into Crimea, cutting off water to 2.5 million. Additionally, a couple years ago, Ukraine shut off the gas pipelines that supply gas from Russia into Europe, leaving millions of people without heat in the dead of winter for about three weeks, and they blamed Russia for it when it was, in fact, um, Ukrainian pipelines that were shut down. So it's just been a very big problem for Russia. I have family still in both countries. 
neither side wants a war. The Ukrainian citizens just want some kind of order, some kind of law and order in the country. The Russian citizens are also tired of the, the problem on the border. What's happening with the situation with Putin is that he is very concerned since the U.S. has been invading um, invading the Middle East for a long time. He is concerned that the United States is now meddling with a very weak Ukrainian government and that their country is being surrounded. So he, he decided to demilitarize Ukraine in order to stop all these problems that have been happening. Um, but now uh, Europe is sending Ukraine weapons, and they are fueling the fire, making the situation worse, and killing a lot of Russian citizens. So I hope this is uh, somewhat helpful for your understanding. I don't have the whole truth. I Nobody really does. But this is like the experience of people who have lived there and the, just the, you know, Ukrainian-Russian um, situation and problem that's been going on for a very long time. So just to be clear, I don't have any political affiliations. I don't consider myself left or right. I um, I'm seeing a massive amount of propaganda. I've been reading U.S. news, Ukrainian news, and Russian news, and none of the none of their stories match even one bit. So um, I'm very sad to see American citizens signing on to the propaganda and posting things like I stand with Ukraine, um, having no idea what the Ukrainian people have been going through um, and why this is um, this has become such a massive, massive problem. So thank you guys for listening. I hope that um, you get a clearer picture and uh, that we all won't be so quick to jump onto the propaganda and the headlines that we see every day because governments lie. So peace out. All right, peace out, peace out, yeah. All right, so, you know, that's uh, her perspective for somebody who lived there. And, uh, <clears throat> of course, you know, Fox and Friends won't have her on, you know, in the morning show. So, uh, so you know, they won't put her on. So that's why, I, you know, I figured I'd play that because, you know, uh, I, I, I want to tell something that Fox and Friends weren't going to tell you, you know, or CNN or anything else. So, but, uh, you know, um, there's, there's, there's another one, another one here real quick here. I'll play here. Uh, I'll take calls here. Six, five, seven, three, eight, three, zero, six, one, six. You know, these damn Democrats, they're really, really, really the, the monster of all this behind this, you know, the, the, uh, the, they've really, really have really, if this, if Trump was president, this would not be happening right now. And remember what I told you, another thing that I'm sadly right about, if everyone remembers correctly, I also, back in November, I told everybody 10 bucks a gallon for gas out in California. It's now $8 a gallon for gas out in California. Okay. And, uh, now gas is now the highest it's ever been on average across the country. Gasoline for no reason whatsoever. No reason. There's no need for it at all, at all. 
the Keystone Pipeline should be, you know, we have Biden selling, you know, doing business with Putin on the side and then saying, one, you know, doing one thing and the other. Biden, that man should be arrested. He should be arrested. And half of these Democrats should be arrested. All right? They should be arrested. They really should. Let me play one more here real quick. You and me, partner. Center of town. I knew. Nope. As soon as the advertising gets off here. Two o'clock. That works. I got a spur fit at two o'clock. How's about three? We don't need any more overscheduling, but we could all use more ways to save. What about Tuesday? I have a sniper rifle in your office. You look like a Tuchinov is a controversial guy. In 2014, he stepped in as Ukraine's acting president. At the time, anti-government protesters were in open revolt. Neighboring Russia moved in and took over Crimea. And then began forming the separatist in eastern Ukraine. До наших юнічних і східних кордонів російські війська. Ситуація була просто драматична. І тоді я змушений був звернутися до українських патріотів і попросити їх йти добровільно захищати Україну. За це вони віддавали своє кров і життя. It's on the record that some of these guys that were fighting were criminals, neo-Nazis, fascists. In the party line that there aren't any rogue volunteers out there still fighting. Unwilling to hand over their weapons to their own government. We have to sneak in because the Ukrainian military that set up all these checkpoints to kind of bet who goes in and out is not really keen on us covering the battalions. Yeah, he needs the passports. You want to follow him in? Yeah. an apocalyptic movie set. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. okay, guys, here we are. Ah, what do you know what it says? The scientists, we are not here. Yeah. Если это дело не любить, 
И многие люди, которые отсюда приезжают, возвращаются в гражданскую жизнь, уже смотрят не так, как смотрели до этого. Ой, по великому рахунку уже ничего нема. Тут если даже, ну, когда вернется мирное життя, тут просто надо это все загортать. Якщо ви вечором будете на позиції, якщо дозволить командування бути на позиції, то я думаю, що ви будете мати шанс побачити. What happens 
He's talking about motorcycles. All right, everybody. That's basically about the best I can get out of that. That's the latest, the latest out of the, out of the Ukraine. These are the, the, the volunteer brigades. They don't fight with it because there is really is. I'm trying to get to the point where I'm trying to explain that there's no military really. That's you have one group that's basically the people of Ukraine that are trying to break away from the Ukraine military, uh, and then you have the Russians, and then you, and really there's three separate groups fighting in there. And the people, like I, what I opened up with, that I explained to you, that you have the Ukrainian people stuck in the middle, okay? And you've got, really, they just want to be left alone and just basically really want to go over with the Russians because they don't want to be part of the West, Western lies either because you have the United States getting involved with their bull crap, you know? And, really, and this goes against everything that this country really stands for. This country stands for what George Washington said. Friends with all alliances with none. We're having uh, we're having alliances with people that we should not. We're worried about the borders of Ukraine. We have our own border problem here in America. We have a problem here in America. We're supposed to be protecting our borders. Our borders are being invaded, but we're not doing anything about it, are we? That so what, what if what if Ukraine and and a bunch of countries over in the Middle East sent people over here to fight with us to protect our borders? How would you what would you say about that, people? What would the zombies out there say about that? Would that be wrong? Would that be right? What would you think? That would be a crime, right? Because that's what we call the people on January sixth, right? We call them criminals. They're you know they they were terrorists. Those those, those people on January 6th should be locked away for life. They should get life in prison, right? I mean, you know, so, I mean, this is basically the same scenario, same thing. It's basically the same thing. So I'm throwing that one out there for you. What do you think? I mean, so this is the pro, This is the disorder of the new world order to create chaos and disorder to create a one world order and eventually someone's going to arise and come out of this and have all the solutions and all the answers for peace and everybody's going to buy it and they're going to believe in it and guess what now we're going to get into the bible yeah because that's what it says right that the man of peace is going to show up and declare peace and 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 there's going to be a peace treaty, and, and everyone's problems are going to be solved, and we're going to have three and a half years of just pure peace. And then that peace treaty is going to be broken, and we're all going to be tricked and deceived. That's what that's, At least that's what the good book says, right? So it's kind of playing out that way. I mean, I'm not going to get into a, a religious debate or discussion here tonight. Let's just stick to the facts of what's really happening right now. And we have wars, rumors of wars, and we got a lot of disorder going on right now. And 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 we're on the brink of World War Three, and we know World War Three is probably going to break out. So how close are we to World War Three? You know, we got the Kremlin's secret war, Russia's ghost army in Ukraine. You know, on the ground in Ukraine. You know, you've got the narrative being played out. You know, you we've got a lot of lot of stuff going on right now. <clears throat> a lot of things going on. 
and you got the failed logistics of the Russia Russia's invasion of Ukraine. But is Russia really trying to invade, attack, like, and and do, and really conquer Ukraine? Are they really trying to do that? See, we're only getting the narrative of what Fox News tells us. And we all can't believe them. If we're believing them now, then shame on us. We should learn our lesson. We should not believe anything the news media tells us because they sure as hell don't ever told us the truth in the past. What would make? What makes you think they'd all of a sudden start telling us the truth now? Nothing they say is the truth, and that's a fact. So you got um, all these volunteers going over there, heading over there, signing up for one year. One year of service. I think that's what it is. You have to sign up for a year to go fight over there. And, um, you know, uh, there's a lot going on. A lot going on. So, uh, 657-383-0616. Anybody want to, uh, and I'll, I'll, let me throw this out there real quick. You got the, the, uh, white supremacists are over there in Ukraine. Gotta put that one out there. They're starting to feed that narrative now. The white supremacists are over there. Oh, boy. <laughs> they always got to throw freaking racism in there. Every single thing in life, they, every racism always has to come into play somewhere down the road, right? <laughs> Unbelievable. Breaking down Russia and U.S. nuclear capabilities. Everybody wants to know about the nuclear stuff, so let me do that here before I open up the phone lines. Let's play. Let's, let's get into the to the, uh, to the, uh, to the uh, let's break down real quick about eight minutes of the uh, Russian and U.S. nuclear capabilities, huh? See what we can get here. From the bean. Last week, we got an unprecedented look at the U.S. nuclear operations inside STRATCOM. Tonight, national security correspondent David Martin and his 60 Minutes team take a look at how the risk of nuclear attacks somewhere in the world has actually increased and found both the U.S. and Russia are developing nuclear weapons that make the decision to use them less difficult. The B-52 can carry 20 cruise missiles. Six under each wing and eight in the bomb bay. So this is the rotary launcher, and it holds eight air-launched cruise missiles within the internal bomb bay of the B-52. It's a tight fit, but the way it works is the launcher rotates, allows the weapon to uh, release, and send it on its way. Just like the chamber of a revolver. Same idea, just much bigger bullets. As the most visible arm of the American nuclear arsenal, these bombers are meant to send a message to an international audience. We can put this aircraft anywhere we want, anytime we want, and both our allies and our adversaries take note. This is basically a nuclear show-and-tell. Uh, it's not just a show-and-tell, because it will deliver. Within the last two years, B-52s have begun sending that message directly to Russia, flying missions not seen since the Cold War. It started after Vladimir Putin changed history by invading an independent country, Ukraine, and seizing its Republic of Crimea. The fact that military force would be used to change an internationally recognized border in the central part of Europe, that was new. Now retired, General Philip Breedlove was the supreme allied commander in Europe when Russia took over Crimea. The invasion was carried out by so-called little green men. Russian soldiers wearing uniforms without insignia. 
but looming in the background were nuclear weapons. Was there ever any indication that Vladimir Putin was prepared to use his nuclear weapons in any way? Vladimir Putin said himself that he considered um, raising the alert status of his nuclear force. He had considered it? He said it himself. Putin said he had given an order to his military to be prepared to increase the readiness of his nuclear forces if the U.S. and NATO tried to block his takeover of Crimea. We were not looking for a fight, Putin said in this interview, but we were ready for the worst-case scenario. They see nuclear weapons as a normal extension of a conventional conflict. So to them, nuclear war is not unthinkable? I think to them the use of nuclear weapons is not unthinkable. It says so in their military doctrine signed by Putin in 2014. Russia shall reserve the right to use nuclear weapons in the event of aggression when the very existence of the state is in jeopardy. Putin has personally directed nuclear exercises which have increased in both size and frequency, according to Breedlove. More threatening? Certainly they get your attention. More aggressive. Clearly. And the U.S. responded with more aggressive exercises of its own. One year after Crimea, four B-52s flew up over the North Pole and North Sea on an exercise called Polar Ground. The B-52s were unarmed, but that little fin on the side of the fuselage identified them as capable of carrying nuclear weapons. What I plotted here are the two routes for these uh, planes. Hans Christensen, director of the Nuclear Information Project at the Federation of American Scientists, used Google Earth to show us the message that sent Russia. But each bomber can carry 20 cruise missiles, the maximum of them. So we're talking about potentially 80 cruise missiles that could have been launched against targets uh, inside Russia at this particular time. Using the cruise missile's range of 1,500 miles, Christensen plotted his own hypothetical lines showing how far they could potentially reach into Russia. And the endpoints of those uh, red lines? Yes. Each of them go to a facility in Russia that could be a potential target for nuclear weapons. The Russians would look at that and see it as a, uh, a dry run for an attack on targets inside Russia. I, I guess they can draw the conclusions that, that they need to draw. 80 cruise missiles in your face. It's a lot of firepower. Is that the message? That's a message, for sure. The last time American nuclear bombers flew a mission like that was during the Cold War. This was a, a significant exercise for us. We're training the way we might have to fight. It was an unmistakable warning, but Rear Admiral Steve Perot says there's no indication the Russian military has changed its thinking about nuclear weapons. Uh, disturbingly, in recent years, there have been specific uh, doctrinal and public statements made by other Russian leaders that indicate an evolved willingness to employ nuclear weapons in the course of conflict. As director of intelligence for the U.S. Strategic Command, Perot spent the last two years gauging Russia's nuclear intentions. I think that they feel that fundamentally the West is sociologically weaker. And if they were to use a nuclear weapon in the course of a conflict between, say, NATO and Russia, they might be able to shock the Western powers into de-escalating, into freezing the conflict, uh, calling a ceasefire. So they have a belief that they're just tougher than us. That's definitely true. And if they have to use nuclear weapons, we can't, we can't take it. I 
think that some people might think that. Perot is not talking about the Armageddon of an all-out nuclear war, which neither side could win, but the limited use of a few nuclear weapons which could convince the U.S. to back down. Joining me now is David Martin, senior national security correspondent, and the correspondent on this piece, along with Hans Christensen, who is also, you saw in that piece, the director of the Nuclear Information Project at the Federation of American Scientists. Welcome to you both. Uh, David, let me start with you. This feels like the threat is as real as it was uh, back in the days of the Cold War, uh, or is it different this time? Well, I, it's different. Back in the days of the Cold War, what everybody worried about was all-out nuclear war. Now what they're talking about is the likelihood that a nuclear weapon will be used somewhere in the world. Um, obviously, a terrorist group can get one, uh, but there are other countries that are working on nuclear weapons. Um, and since the Cold War, countries like uh, India and Pakistan have, have become uh, nuclear powers. Uh, but the, the real concern at least as far as the U.S. Strategic Command is concerned, which is the command that's in charge of American nuclear weapons, is that Russian military doctrine seems to be changing in a way that makes the use of a nuclear weapon more likely. They now see it, uh, this is according to their writings and their own public statements, not so much as uh, the last resort to be used on all else fails, but as a weapon that can be used in a conventional conflict to suddenly shock the other side, either into calling a ceasefire or, or to actually uh, surrendering. Uh, yeah, Hans, that is a frightening scenario. Uh, what do you make of that strategy, which is an idea or strategy which sort of says attack a smaller European target in order to get the U.S. to back down or to get the U.S. to do something that the Russians want us to do? Well, I think it, it comes out of a fear that um, their forces are insufficient. And so once you get into a bigger shooting war, uh, they might not have the chance. And so if they, it's their interest if they could sort of stop the effort earlier on. Um, but that doesn't make, make it any easier or any better, of course, because once nuclear weapons are being used, it's very, very risky and very likely that it will escalate further. And I can't imagine that the U.S. would back down just because they start uh, shooting a few. David, let me also ask you about President Obama's offer to make cuts to the U.S. nuclear arsenal. Uh, does the United States expect that Russia will comply with the treaty to dial down nuclear weapons to around 1,500 by 2018? Well, I, I think uh, you can expect Russia probably to comply with that uh, treaty for the simple reason that uh, having 1,500 uh, and under the strange counting rules used by these treaties, uh, that 1,500 nuclear warheads is more like 2,000 or, or 2,500 warheads, but still, it's, it is a limit on the, on the number. Uh, but the reason they went to that is they knew that was more than what they needed. And in fact, the, uh, the Obama administration has said that we could, we could go down to 1,000 without uh, jeopardizing national security, 1,000 nuclear warheads instead of 1,500. But uh, the politics make it impossible for the U.S. to make any unilateral reductions while uh, the uh, Russians are, are behaving uh, the way they have been in the last two years since they invaded Crimea. So I expect that the number of warheads will remain at about 1,500 for 
the foreseeable future, but uh, what's changing uh, is the sophistication of those, uh, the delivery systems for those. All right, everybody. Okay, right now there are, you have people, the, the countries with nuclear warheads right now, you have Israel with 80, You right? That says, let's go today, okay? Not uh, uh, 2019, to, to all, you know, they were bouncing around there in years in that report. Uh, but you have, uh, China has 260 uh, nuclear warheads, uh, warheads, that's what they have. Now, their delivery capabilities are different. China does not have a nuclear warhead that could reach the United States, okay? China has 260, um, Great Britain has 215, Israel has 80, uh, France has uh, 210, I believe, um, Pakistan has uh, uh, 60, India has 80, also I believe 80 or 90, um, and, uh, well, I think I left one out there. Um, you got, let's see, you have, you have China, you have China with nuclear warheads, you have Russia, United States, that's your top three. Then you got France, UK, Israel, France, and, um, Pakistan. Okay. So those are your countries right there. Pakistan, yeah, Pakistan, uh, what did I say? They have, they have, uh, they have 90, 90, or no, 60. They have 60. So now, the, but you see, none of those countries have capabilities of reaching the United States except Russia. Russia is the only country that could hit the United States with a nuclear warhead um, as of right now. Uh, well, the U.K. I, uh, could, hit, could hit us, but they're not going to. They're not going to do that, so it's not going to happen. So, but, uh, but, um, but, the, but all those countries... That those those eight countries that I just listed can hit Russia with nuclear warheads. All those countries can hit Russia. Okay, they can have the delivery capabilities to hitting Russia. So we're the safest out of everybody for any, for for anyone to hit us. So the only country we have to worry about hitting us is Russia. And and out of Russia's four thousand nuclear warheads, only a thousand are capable of hitting the United States through a submarine, through uh, launch pads, through uh, um, uh, bombers. Um, so, so they, but they have these supersonic bombs, the uh, missiles, the supersonic bombs that can tra- travel twice the speed of speed of sound. And our three-level deterrent system, we have three levels of deterrent uh, capabilities, defense system, that to shoot them down. Okay, three that are are unclassified. We have classified ways of shooting them down, and those are which they're not really classified. Everyone knows from outer space. That's what I was talking about earlier. We can shoot down. I think out of out of out of one thousand warheads, we can shoot down that. Uh, I think it's like eight hundred of them that from outer space. That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying the capability is. So, so we have a three. So let's just pretend we don't have outer space. So we have uh, our navy can shoot down uh, their bombers at delivering cruise missiles with nuclear capabilities to us. We can shoot them out, shoot them down. So if they shot 30 at us, we'd only be able to we'd be able to shoot down 26 of them or 20 or something like that, and but four would hit. It's like it's like I I 
went over this like a couple shows ago, but I, I, I didn't play the whole entire thing. It's like a three-hour-long thing where it shows each all the capabilities that Russia has if they were to attack us with everything they had, and we were just playing defense, okay, just playing defense. We would, we would get hit by some of them. There's no stopping it. There's no way about it. We would definitely get hit by some of them. We just couldn't stop them all. Unless we had, unless our our supercomputer, because our computers will be doing all the thinking now. Man doesn't have control. Any man's not quick enough to figure any of this out. Because you're talking the speed of sound, twice the speed of sound. All, every, all these decisions are being made by computers right now. If a nuclear war breaks out, man is no longer in control. It's a computer war. So the computers are fighting against each other. So and our computers are a little bit better than Russia. So. You know, so that's how it breaks out. So all these other countries that have nuclear missiles and everything, China, don't worry about China. China can't get to do nothing to us. China is not nobody. You know, the only way they could beat us is if they got their ground army over here to invade us. And that wouldn't happen either because we'd wipe them out, you know, before they even got made it to the shores. So, you know, it's not going to happen. So we're, we're, that's why I'm saying. So don't underestimate the United States. The United States is military right now is superior in the world compared to anyone else. We could take on the entire globe if we had to. Okay, that's a fact. We could because all our overseas bases could annihilate their bases before they even you know tried to get off an attack on us over here. I mean, I mean, we would. So people have to understand that our capabilities, our our military capabilities, and our space force is just superior compared to, to, to uh, these other countries. It really is. You know, I mean, be very, very lucky and thankful that you live in the United States as far as if there was a war to break out. You know, I mean, the United States being destroyed, would be, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Or taken over by another country. The only thing that could destroy the United States is us destroying ourselves from within. And we're doing a pretty darn good job of that. The Democrats, for example. So six five seven three 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 zero six one six. Let me check the phone boards here, see anybody, because I got a couple others I can play here. But I'll just in case anybody's waiting to talk. I'll bring up a bill here. All right, I got some hands up here. So let's go to the first private caller. Go ahead. Boy, Joe, it's a lot to talk about with this situation, man. And I got something yeah. here that you may have forgotten about, or you may not know about, that is extraordinarily significant to the course of these events. Okay, go ahead. Okay, well, you remember back in 2014 during the Obama administration, that god-awful, hideous, anti-American administration, the worst ever prior to the Biden administration. The Biden administration actually was behind the coup when they interfered in the Ukrainian elections to install a pro-U.S., pro-Eastern European presidential candidate, which angered Putin because that guy was Putin's puppet in Ukraine. The president that got ousted was Viktor Yanukovych, the one that they installed, the Obama administration installed, by encouraging the Euro Maiden, remember the Euro Maiden demonstrations that led, yep. led to the ouster of Yanukovych? Yeah. Well, that wound up getting Petro Poroshenko installed as president. Petro Poroshenko was pro-EU, and he was the president that was in when Joe and Hunter Biden made all that dough in Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. So, so here's what I'm saying here. Like, why, how do we know this? It's simple. 
We got a phone call from an undersecretary of state in the Obama administration. By the way, that the bitch is back in the Biden administration in the same job. This is unbelievable, man. Her name is yeah, Victoria Nuland. Yeah. I know. Her name is Victoria Nuland. She got a leaked phone call. We know it. We got them on phone call, so it ain't like I'm speculating. They're discussing um, the fact that, they, that they're trying to pick a candidate to get rid of Yanukovych. Yanukovych. And, uh, and then they were behind, and that they wanted this guy to come in because he was going to be more favorable to their agenda. Remember all the bleeding we hear from Democrats about interfering in somebody's election, foreign interference in an election. And here, these people were doing the apex of interference oh, in an election instead of picking the candidate. And not only that, at the same time this was going on, Victoria Nuland is plotting with the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine at the time, a guy named Jeffrey Pyatt, P-Y-A-T-T. All the time they're plotting this. Um, Obama's out giving speeches supporting the, the democracy in Ukraine. So in other words, they put a president in a place in a coup. Then they use the knowledge they obtained from this operation to do the same thing to our country, I think, in 2020. Yeah, and I got another caller here, Sarge, on the line that's waiting also. But, yeah, you're absolutely correct, and, and you're bringing up some interesting uh, facts here uh, that, that, that pertain to this situation. That's very, very serious. And there's still unknowns out there also, a lot of unknown facts that are happening, and I mean that are un- uncovered or haven't been reported. There's a lot been, lot's been going on. And if you remember correctly, as I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I opened up the new year with this. I said that this was going down. This was going down this year. Ukraine-Russia thing. I look at my December 31st, my show, I, I said this. It was going down. Yeah, you but, know, you uh, know so, Joe, when, yeah. when, when Putin lost his puppet, he got pissed because, like I said, uh, Yanukovych was his puppet. And you know he's paranoid. Yeah. He sees all this going down. That's when he accelerated his plans to take the Crimean Peninsula and probably to encourage the eastern separatists in the Donbass region to step up their efforts against Ukraine. And he probably accelerated his idea to invade the Ukraine at some point, probably as a direct result of these bastards interfering in Ukrainian elections. Yep. Let me take this other caller. I'll keep staying on the line, Sarge. Uh, Private caller, then I got another one after you. Go ahead, private caller. Hello? Yes, go ahead. Can you hear me? Oh, can you yes, hear me? I can. Okay, my friend. He- Hello, Joseph. How are you? This is brother Mike from Singapore. How are you? Oh, yes, Mike. Yes. How are you? How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. You know, the condition of the world is upset. We know that. We know that, indeed. Because, uh, you know, all the world right now is in chaos as a result of, you know, uh, all economic destructions and all the wars and rumors of the wars that we are witnessing every day, you know. So this is a, a, this is a, a state of the health of the humankind. I mean, yes, Putin attacked Ukraine. Actually, they don't know what the reason is up to today that they attacked. Because what are they saying over in Singapore? Singapore? What are they saying over there? Okay, yeah. I mean, 
of course everybody are uh, mad because but we don't know yet my friend why putin attacked uh, the uh, ukraine because we told ukraine i mean uh, ukraine was promised empty promise like promise of marriage you know when girlfriend boyfriend you know they marry together for 20 years and every time uh, boyfriend say i marry you next year and and they don't marry <laughs> You know, yes, we know. Yeah, we know that. We know that. Yeah. Yes, yes. Same thing happened. Ukraine was a kind of promise. We will be, we will be a kind of, you know, uh, bring you to become a part of NATO. But in order to become part of NATO, first of all, you have to upgrade all your weaponry. Uh, I think they did a part part one, but but. There is part two, part three, part four. It takes ten. Yeah, but they years. were getting bought off by the West, though. But the West was mingling, mingling between it. If you're talking about a marriage, if you're using that as a parable, and what the West was doing is they were cheating. They were cheating with them in the middle. See, we had Biden and his son over there screwing around behind Putin's back. And see, but that's why. Why do you think Putin didn't do anything when Trump was president? Because Trump didn't have no stake in the game. He wasn't over there screwing around. He told him, well, flat out, listen, you're not going to invade Kuwait. I mean, uh, Ukraine. Simple as that, or we're going to nuke you, or we'll shut you down. We'll, we'll shut you down. He told the same thing. He said, you touch Taiwan to uh, the, the Chinese president, you touch Taiwan, we'll, 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 we'll bomb you. That's it. Well, you know, and they, he flat out told them, yeah. you know, and, and they respected but, Trump. But, 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 I know. But right now, the empty promise that European Union gave to Zelensky, and Zelensky was uh, set up for the World War Three. And, and we all know it. And matter of fact, up to today, uh, P, uh, my relative is from in Ukraine. And what happened? When I talked to him, he says, I don't know what the hell they're fighting with us. Or we don't know what's going on up to today because there is no no solution. I mean, there just that, that would attack. explain why so many people did not evacuate. They really didn't know what was going on. That would explain why right. so many people did not evacuate. Because you know, they did not have the food yeah. for one year. They were they, they were not have gasoline. They were not anything. They were not ready for anything at all. So that's what happened. Yeah, true. You can stay on the line. I'm going to connect another caller here. I know who the, this caller is, I think, so he's not a... Not going to tie off the subject. So go ahead, the three, four, one, four. You know, here's the thing, Gibson and Sergeant and your other calls. Hello, Biden owed the Ukraine something. He owes the Ukraine something, and we're not seeing the picture as clear as we ought to see it. I mean, just think about it. If Trump, if Trump was talking to the Ukraine. It asks a logical question regarding corruption because the country is known for its corruption. And it, yeah. they eavesdrop yeah. on him. They eavesdrop on Trump. Yeah, yeah. That's true. They listened to his phone calls, didn't they? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I know Biden's phone calls would be hard to decipher, but we can see the bias. Now, I'm going to tell you another thing here. This is what gets me. You had this black basketball, female basketball player who's openly gay oh, in yeah. Russia. Oh, yeah. With some illegal substance. And you got Sheila Jackson Lee, a congresswoman from Texas, is saying that she should be let go. I say, hell no. 
she broke the laws in another country. Well, exactly. she did. She's a U.S. citizen. That's so damn what? You in another country. So what? Yeah. And so I don't they think she should get 20 years in prison, though. I don't think she should get 20 years in prison in a slave camp, you know? <laughs> well, if you got other Russians that's receiving that kind of treatment, well, shouldn't she, too? Think. Come on, well, just think. And here's another point. You know what's going on here? One, they use the fact that she's black, which she's really not. She's mixed. Two, she's a female. Three, she's bi. She's married to another woman. Which is something oh that Russian does not alive. Yeah, now, here's yeah, another yeah, thing. I like that. <laughs> I'm getting sick and tired of me, who is a United States citizen, a black American, getting grouped in with these other blacks that's going out doing this kind of crap. I am not one of them. And they, <laughs> like Phil Baxter, Sheila Jackson Lee, need to be more definitive in who it is that they're talking about. I'm not in the we. I'm not in the us. My children are not playing with yours. So be more definitive <laughs> and stop trying to group all blacks into this paradigm which does not exist. I like that. That's good. Yeah, I like that, Adam. You're absolutely correct. You know, you don't be, but you don't want to be caught up in that group, uh, that paradigm, and that thinking. You're different than them. You're you're actually a good person, not a scumbag like them. And 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 first of all, but 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 look, if that's how they want to live, that's fine. But like you said, don't put them up on this pedestal. You know, uh, she's a basketball player, whoop-de-doo, and she's, you know, like you said, and she's gay, so, so we have to put them up on this pedestal, like, we got to make sure that they're okay, but, but I don't think she should get 20 years in prison or something like that, I mean, come on, I mean, yeah. she is an American citizen, usually they do take favor and give, even, even if they're black or whatever color, they usually give them a slap on well, the hand and kick them out of the can country, you agree, you know? Can you agree with Canaan, like the American that was over there <laughs> spray painting <laughs> in Singapore? <laughs> I don't think they got that ball there in Russia, but maybe they might want to introduce it. Yeah, yeah. In Singapore, long time ago, there was a gentleman who just put a graffiti on the cars. I'm sure you know who I am talking to. And he was... North Korea, right? No, I think No, no, He was the son of one of the, you know... Ambassador of the United States, and he mm-hmm. ha- and and Singapore. What he did, Singapore said, we have to make sure this first uh, he is punished by uh, Singaporean law, and they had over hundred slashes on him. No U.S. embassy, no United Nations, nobody could do anything. So he he got a slashes of hundred uh, slashes in the public. So, yes. When you break the so law, what's going to happen with this basketball woman? What do you think? What's going to happen to her? Okay. Beyond, uh, what happened? What do you think? She, she must give uh, well, the prize. She must give the prize for her stupidity and dumb asses. That if <laughs> she doesn't know that if you leave United States to any other country. You must obey the laws of the countries that you're in. You've got to be an idiot to have drugs on you in an airport in another country. You've got to be stupid, huh? You've got to remember this, though. Yes, uh, she is subject completely to the jurisdiction of Russian law while she's in Russia. However, here's the diplomatic reality, all right? These things are often handled 
through the various state the State Department gets involved. Not they make inquiries yes. as to her welfare. After all, she is a U.S. citizen. Did they respond? Sometimes, and I'm saying it always happens, depends upon the political climate, sometimes the host country that is enforcing the law will grant a concession to the State Department in return for a similar favor in the future. That's just the reality. It happens all Diplomatic immunity, right, Sarge? It's not diplomatic immunity, but it's a kind of um, back and forth where each side says, look, you do me this favor today. If we've got somebody we're concerned about that's in a similar situation in the future, we want you to grant us a similar consideration. It's diplomacy, man, and and that's just the way it goes when you have uh, out-of-state actors who have some kind of influence, even if it's minimal. I I agree with that. I'm totally against this Sheila Jackson Lee and what she's doing. And, you know, I'm going to tell you something. I used to travel out of the country with other people, and one of the things that we had, we said with each other, we said, yeah, obey but don't get into a position where you think people in America are going to pay ransom for you because you're black. <laughs> Nobody pays ransom for black Americans. <laughs> Matter of fact, they don't even take the time to kidnap you because they know they got to feed you and listen to your <laughs> whining and everything it else. It doesn't matter the last wife. You always obey the laws of the country that you, you, you visit and exit. You so same thing. Obey the laws of country. I mean, you live in USA. You are not going to take hashish with you. I mean, like like this story. This is the true story, and they made a, a movie out of it too. Because in New York, uh, people. I mean, there were three ladies, teenagers, and three men. If my children, if my children ever wanted to go on a trip to a Korea or something like that, I'd tell them, "Hell no, you're not going." You know, because uh, I, yeah. you know, who would want to go through that pain? You know, first of all, you're taking a risk. What the hell do you want to go to North Korea for? You know, right. go play basketball. Screw uh, that. Uh, uh, you know, Joe, I'm gonna tell you something, man. Notwithstanding what I just said a moment ago. I think it is the height of arrogance and hubris to think you can act the same kind of asshole in another country with different laws yeah, that you can true. in this one. That is stupid. True. It is arrogant. It is foolish. And she's probably a jerk. But you know what? I mean, hey, like I said, the diplomatic realities being what they are, I wouldn't be surprised if the State Department negotiates a deal with the Ruskies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't want to see nothing bad happen to her. I mean, you know, I don't want to see so nobody get tortured or anything like that, you know? I mean, that's just wrong. The story was these teenagers in the New York McDonald's eating McDonald's. One guy approached and said, you know, how you doing? And they said, okay, let's start. He said to them, promised them, he said, you go to Thailand for two weeks of vacation. We give you all your money for hotel, beer, anything you want, and airfare. You have to, what you have to do to bring dope, put the dope on your legs, on your stomach, and come. You see, yeah, we don't know the truth either. You know, you don't know. No, You're no, getting no. reports. No, no, no. And then what happened? They did it. Thailand police catch them, and now the life in prison in Thailand. That they are also cockroaches goes over them, food is cockroaches and everything. They lost over 150 pounds. And United States Embassy, United Nations told Thailand, please free them. 
They said, no, we broke the law. And now uh, uh, they made a story out of it, too, uh, in in movie. Uh, you can Google it uh, about the story or the movie. You can see I just uh, forgot the, uh, the title. But so it's a true story. I mean, this is what you people, please obey the laws of the country. Then you are How about don't go to the country? Please, people, don't go. <laughs> Stay home. Well, you know, she was supposed <laughs> hey, to have been out Midnight of there. Midnight Express, baby, Midnight Express. Hey, Joe, you remember the, <laughs> yeah. in the late 1950s, you remember yeah, your history? Yeah. Jerry Francis yeah, Powers got shot down over Moscow. The Soviets just charged him with espionage. Remember the U-2 pilots? And they, and they were going to charge him. Oh, I think so. I think I do. Yeah, I well, think I do. Well, it was a huge story at the time because President Eisenhower got caught. Because they shot him down while President Eisenhower was in the midst of talks with uh, Khrushchev. And Eisenhower said, we were not conducting reconnaissance flights over yeah. Russian airspace. <laughs> and the Russians. Hey, what, what about Amelia? Wait, 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 what was her name? Amelia Hart or something? But that... the Russians kept secret that they had shot him down. And when Eisenhower made that statement, right after he made it, they revealed they had powers in custody. Now, they convicted him of espionage. They didn't give him the death penalty. But later on, they did trade him for a KGB colonel who got captured in the United States. Spying, they made a swap. They traded Gary oh, Francis Powers for this uh, KGB spy. How about the pilot that was down? The black pilot that was down in what Syria? And Jesse Jackson went over and got him. You remember that? Oh God, yeah, I remember was, that he was one a too. Yeah. That's a little bit different though, because he was a, a, me, a member of the armed forces. Yeah, in but I case, bet Jesse Jackson Gary wouldn't go Powers get a white pilot free contractor. I bet Jesse Jackson wouldn't go ask for a white pilot to be let free. Oh, no, oh, no, no, he probably wouldn't, no. <laughs> you see the stuff we be talking about, uh, Gibson? Yeah. You see what yeah, I'm talking about? I met about. Jesse Jackson one time, you know. I met him one time. Did you punch him? No, no, yeah, no, he shook my hand and everything. We were talking, you know. Just well, I, I hope you, know, you watched it when you got done. <laughs> I, I didn't think he was a bad guy. I thought he was all right. You know? Yeah, but, you know, I mean, look, it's, it's like, you know, look, look, these guys do what they do sometimes. Get a little, I remember that that one guy was a Goodman, uh, a Lieutenant J.G. Goodman. Goodman. Yeah. He was in an ace intruder. He got shot down. Um, and the, um, uh, what was that? The, um, who was that? What was that? What well, country was that? Thing, Syria? Right? You know who I don't like? You know who I don't like? I don't like that Reverend Al Sharpton. I can't stand that son of a bitch. <laughs> you know, I don't like him. What do you think, Sarge? You mean, you mean, uh, uh well, he just don't like the blood That's all. Look at him with the Tawana Brawley, with the Tawana Brawley case. Oh, yeah. He's yeah, got to be, yeah. that bad haircut he's got, he's man. He needs another haircut. Ever since he got started. He, he knew that Benjamin Crump, Substituted a counterfeit witness in the uh, in the George Zimmerman trial and didn't say nothing about it. He knew yeah. that Benjamin Crump put up a complete. Rachel Johnsell was a counterfeit witness. They literally manufactured when they couldn't get the real witness to testify at the grand jury to get an indictment against George Zimmerman, and that still hasn't come to light yet. 
and that's not right. And that's not right at all. You know. Well, it, I don't it, like it, that. No, that's it's criminal. not right. <clears throat> but here's the thing, Joe. White folks don't say shit about this stuff, kind of stuff. Me and Sarge <laughs> is just two people. I mean, think about it. Me and Sarge and maybe yeah. a handful of others is just a few people. Whites has got a bitch about this, too. They won't. They won't. They're punks. They won't say nothing, say nothing. They're scared. You know, or they're scared or just won't open their mouth. I don't know why. I don't know. <laughs> that, that, and, and the people who are doing this are not, for the most part, good black people. They're leftists. They're progressives. They're Marxists. They're the worst sort of people, whether they're white or black. Well, Thursday night I'm going to be at the uh, I'm going to be at a Republican uh, a Family First meeting there with uh, Congresswoman Virginia Fox. Uh, let's see, uh, Bill Berger, uh, oh boy, a couple other uh, high prominent, uh, high ranking Republicans there that are coming in. Family First, that's the uh, topic there. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be at the uh, uh, what's that? What the hell's the name of that big? I don't even know. My own backyard here, Greensboro. You know where they play the the uh, basketball tournament at Sarge, the Coliseum there in Greensboro. Uh, uh, what the hell's the name of that place? <laughs> Man, you know where they play the the NCAA? Oh, I, I don't can't know. think of the name right now. Yeah, yeah I think Greensboro. Say, that big uh, dome in there. Good night to you guys, and I go because I have oh, to okay, go. Oh, okay, Mike. Okay, yeah. Good night, Mike. Okay, I love you guys. Hey, yeah. love right. you too, Mike. I Take care. Sir, I be good, Mike. Be good. Be safe before. out there. Okay. But you know, you talk about uh, Putin. All right. I, all yeah, the, all the blacks in the country that consider themselves African, you know, have heard their talking before. You know, Putin spent about four or five years on the ground helping to get rid of Western colonization in Zimbabwe and Mozambique. They got pictures of it. A young Putin on the ground conferring and consulting the troops of those countries. And they they ducked throwing him under the bus. Well, you know, by the way, speaking of which, that story you said a little while ago there, Joe, about uh, African medical students in Ukraine and they're being kicked off the trains and all that, there is only a small kernel of truth in that. There may have been some of that going on. You know what most of it was? The Ukrainians have a traditional attitude about women and children first. They were kicking all the men off and letting the women and children on first. It wasn't just African medical students. And some of them African medical students were uh, either legal long-term residents or citizens, actually. Some of them were there on student visa, their equivalent of a student visa, but some were under the auspices of that law that no male, or white or black, over the age of 16, uh, under the age of 16, over the age of 16, or over the age of 16, couldn't leave the country. And and they got caught up in that, and they tried to make it into a racial issue. rather than Like the they always that, do. Yeah, like yeah, they always yeah. do. And I saw black, uh, African, Ukrainian, uh, 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 citizens wearing Ukrainian army uniforms in step in the platoons with the Ukrainian comrades ready to fight the Russians. Yeah. You know what? Oh, there we go. Go. There we go. We were just talking about this guy. It's beyond all recognition. 
Guys, we were just talking about this no lie. I opened up my email here. Bam! Right here. Candidate Joseph A. Gibson, please confirm your email address and your contact info for your voter guide for the uh, – because we're having that thing uh, Thursday night. I, I have to – I guess I'm going to hate in this guy. <laughs> I guess we're going to be having a, uh, you know, I guess I guess I'm going to be questioned or whatever. I don't know. It's, I guess this is a debate. So I guess there's some candidates that are running or being chosen to to speak on the issues. I guess so. Hey, way, let's do it. I'm I'm ready to go. Let's go. <laughs> you know, you talk about the the way other countries look. That's a city in Russia that, city? and they voted for. It's all white city, and they voted a black uh, mayor. Who's from Zambia? He's as dark as uh, all they of this. Got a black population. Sarge said they got a black population over there in Ukraine. Yeah, they normal. Yeah, they, I, and I, they, I, they, on they, they Ukrainian. Show, I met a woman who lives in Ukraine. Her name is Anna. Uh, you know, I kept in touch with her over the years. She's black. Her, mo- her father was a black African. Her mother was a Ukrainian citizen. And uh, she lives in Odessa. And, uh, you know, she says they treat her very well there. She says, you know, sometimes people look at her like she's a little bit exotic, but beyond that, she says she has no trouble. All her neighbors like her, and she likes where she lives. Well, how about that? See that? Hey, there's a place for the black people to go to. Call the NFM. <laughs> <laughs> no, but she lives there, and uh, you, she, you can see she's definitely uh, part part black. I mean, uh, she's being yeah. Ukrainian, and she likes living in Ukraine. Now, I haven't spoken to her since, or communicated with her since the invasion. I'm trying to get in touch well, with her. I, I well, Eggstars, you're the expert on the history here with the uh, Germany and everything. How, were the, how was the black population treated in Germany during the uh, Third Reich? It was, it was mixed, but German citizens, uh, if they, so some of them had to undergo compulsory sterilization. But what for the, the most that? part, once they once they were sterilized, they were pretty much left alone. You know that you you've heard of a gentleman called Hans. Well, you may have Hans Masakoy. He was editor of Ebony magazine. He was born to an African diplomat father and a German mother, and he was in the Hitler Youth. <laughs> I don't I, I <laughs> don't know too much about that. He was Youth. Wow. He was in the Hitler Youth. And then later in the war, they decided to kick him out of the Hitler Youth. But other than that, he says, he pretty much was left alone. He had to undergo the bombing raids and everything. He said his treatment was pretty much what every other German citizen had to go through during the war. So for the most part, black German citizens, after they'd been sterilized, whatever, were pretty much left alone because there weren't that many of them to be a concern to the Third Reich, not like with Jews. Yeah. Well, I was talking to one of the one of the uh, supporters of the NSM actually about the old blog talk shows we used to do, and and he well, your name came up actually, and they you know he said yeah he goes I respect that guy he said he'd get on there and he 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 knew more about history than a lot of those guys did, and they used to get mad at that you know and you know and I was like yeah I know you know I, you know so because we were talking about you you know because one of the uh, I'm not going to mention his name, uh, but it was in a, you know a private conversation and we were having a conversation he's like you know. You know, I respected Sarge, and he knew a lot about history. He knew more about the the uh, the, yeah. the 
that time period than most of those guys knew, you know? <laughs> Hell, like, they yeah, hung up did, on yeah. me on that program one night because they got pissed yeah, off that I was telling yeah. whites need to get off their ass and do something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, facts are facts, man. It is what facts it is, you know. It's mean, history, you know, and like, uh, you know, it's yeah. not my history, it's not their history. History, and one thing about history, though, uh, if you got honest historians, when the historical record is revised, you should be prepared to accept the revision in that sense, provided it is objective and corroborable and not just some made-up stuff like we're getting from the people now who are trying to come up with the, the uh, medieval Scotland was replete with black kings. This is crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's not the history crazy. that's <laughs> The history that's that's being taught now is just totally absurd and garbage, by especially by these libtards yeah. out there. And this critical yeah, like race theory like that's TV being taught is just Anne bullshit. Boleyn was a black woman. Anne Boleyn was a well, this, Henry VIII was married to a black woman, Anne Boleyn. <laughs> well, this, this, this critical race theory I mean, is just get, total bullshit. Sorry. crazy nonsense out here now. Well, you know, evil well, has no respect for skin color, so. And stupidity well, either. Truth, truth does, and, and I'm going to tell you right now, again, this critical race theory that's still being taught in schools across America, and, and where did that go, that issue? It hasn't been, it's not being talked about, you know, it's being hush, 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 and you know it's being taught still, it's being taught, and, and it's not right, it's not right at all, and where are the parents out there, why aren't they still uprising about this, or are we just not hearing about it? I haven't heard nothing about well, it. I and agree who's with running you. down there in Georgia, Sarge? Isn't that Herschel Walker running down there for the Senate? Yeah, Herschel Walker's running for the Senate seat against uh, uh, Warnicky. Warnock. Yeah, Warnicky. Well, he's what, a preacher. What's he he's running on Herschel Walker? He, he's, he's, he's a, a Trump black supporter? preacher. He's a black jack leg. No, preacher. he's a. Yeah, and he beats his wife. No. Saw, yeah, Herschel I Walker? I saw that video. No, the preacher. Yeah. Oh. No, no, Herschel Walker, the preacher Warnicky. Oh, that preacher. Yeah, that's come. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's that. St- he's with that Stacey Abrams and everything, right? He's one of those right. guys, right? Yeah, oh yeah, boy. Right. You know, he's got to go. He's got to go. <laughs> he got yeah, but see, here's the thing. He's black, and blacks gonna vote for him. That's all it too. He could be. Yep. He could. He could take off his black uh, mask, and there, there lies Satan. They still gonna he vote go for him face. as long as he got that mask on. <laughs> He can go whiteface. <laughs> yeah. Go whiteface, and they still vote for him just because he's black. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, well, like Megyn Kelly there. She got uh, to what? She got fired and uh, shunned. She can't. She can't get a job nowhere now because she said blackface, right? <laughs> I mean, come on, that's just so pathetic. That's ridiculous, man. It you is know, God I mean, the level of thought control, I never thought I'd see this level of thought control in the United States ever, considering we're a country that literally the first right listed in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights is speech, literally. And we've got got a regimen of thought control wherever you look. Yeah. Well, down in New Orleans during Mardi Gras, you got this black organization called the Zulus. They wear blackface, aren't they, Sarge? You ever seen them? I think so. I what think, the hell is the Zulus? Yeah. It's an organization. It's like oh, a, God. It's some organization. Zulus? That's what they're called, Zulus? Anyway, don't give a damn. Yeah. 
Mardi Gras is the sin, the sin, disgusting. You know what? They should just freaking just shut it down. You know, court, they should build a wall around that place and just keep all the nut jobs inside there and just let them, you know, feed off of each other. Because uh, that, that's just uh, not what America well, look, is about. It don't got so bad down there with carjacking that people don't stop at stop signs. They're scared they're going to be carjacked. Oh, I know. And I you, saw that, too. And you yeah. read what that one doctor where she was in line at the Costco to get gas in the car ahead of her. Some guy came, this a black guy, came and took a car, and she was holding on the owner and got drugged. And nobody would come to her attention but the doctor. And she was an Indian doctor here in America. And she took a coat off to protect the woman from the rain. And, and lo and behold, the car behind her, the guy said, could you move your car so I can get going? To go to show you. Well, listen, there's one way to stop that carjacking, but you can't do it if you're white anymore, you know. You just, uh, you know, 45, you know, 45, right. that's it. But you can't do it if you're white. You shoot a black person if you're white, you're going to jail for the rest of your life, you know. You know that, come on. You can't do nothing. You can't even, you can't even protest anymore out there if you're white down in Florida. You get arrested. They can get out of the car and attack you now, you know. Did you hear what happened down there in Florida to the NSM? Uh, you know, kid gets out of the car, attacks an old man, and 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 the NSM guys get arrested. You know, I mean, what, what, remember what's up with that? under the current regime, all you got to do is say the person you're attacking is a Nazi, and anything goes. That's why yep. I don't know yep. why they're so mad at Putin. Why they're so mad at Putin? Then isn't that what Putin's saying he's doing? Yeah, yeah. You know, well, they tried playing that card and it didn't fly. You, you know, they're trying it, but but that's the thing, though, isn't that something? This affects everybody, Sarge. This affects the entire country. This will create case law, like you just said. All you have to do is say they're Nazis, and anything goes. And that's not right, man. That's not right at all. They have a right to be that's down there protesting. The that's not applying. That is not applying the law objectively. The law has that's to be right. applied objectively. Well, the sheriff's department down there has arrested three of them. They arrested, they arrested Bert. They arrested uh, two other guys. Uh, and this kid got out of the car. They got it on video. They have it on video. The kid gets out of the car, attacks an old guy from behind, slams him to the ground. They chase the kid back to the car, and they get arrested. They get well, arrested. What the hell is this? Ask for a jury trial. All you got to do is get one juror to hang the jury. Yeah, but what happens if they give messed up jury instructions? You know, I mean, the, you, oh, know, you know what I mean? Uh, they're screwed. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, they got to have a good lawyer. they got to have a good lawyer that knows all the wording. Like I said, um, well, hell, they know, they, the jury going to come from the project, so don't make it different. What lawyer you get? If you get a jury with integrity, <laughs> yeah. you get at least one of them to hang the jury. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I can't see having a jury of all, everybody on the same page on that one with a video. But, but, I mean, it's right there in video, right in your face. The guy gets man, out of the car. Look at Kyle Rittenhouse, man. I mean, I bet you that prosecution up there in Wisconsin thought they had a slam dunk on that one. Well, there you go. Yeah, and that was very high. Well, this is about as high profile as that Wittenhouse is going. You go, <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, it was all over the news there for a while. And, and you go to Twitter and, and every YouTube where you punch that in, uh, Nazis arrested in Florida, it's all over the place. It's all over the place. I mean, it's, uh, it's insane. So, uh, but, but, again, 
this is like you just said, Sarge. This is a you know. Listen, the First Amendment applies to everybody. You know, it, and and if you start applying it to only one group of people, and it doesn't apply to others, that's then we're we're just as bad as Russia, right? I mean. Well, we're, hell, you got everybody black cheering this. We have a constitution that is supposed to protect your inalienable right of free speech. So that would make us worse yeah. in a lot of ways. Well, look how yeah. everybody, is, all blacks, is praising Joe Biden on his Supreme Court pick, saying that he's going to yeah. appoint the first black female. That in itself was racist yeah. and wrong. Yes, it was. Yeah, damn right it was. Damn right that was. <laughs> Imagine Trump Wait, saying, you know I'm going to appoint a, a white man. With her? Now, remember what happened to Tucker Carlson when he asked to see your LSAT? Remember that? And he said, oh, you're racist because you want to know. Well, remember, it was Joe Biden who claimed she was one of the greatest legal minds that has ever existed in the history of mankind. So why not well, prove it if he's making this statement? I tell you what, based on her judicial record, it doesn't seem so, because it's in a short period of time she's been on the appellate court and the lower courts. She's been reversed by higher courts nine times. Yeah. So if we since, yeah. since we can't go by her record to determine what a great jurist she is, why not her intellectual aptitude? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, we kind of got off the Russian thing there, but so closing thoughts tonight there, guys. You, uh, you go first, Bianca. What do you think? And then we'll let Sarge sound off. <laughs> i tell you what I think. I want to know what Ukraine has on Joe Biden. That's what I want to know. Uh, so much that we couldn't even talk about it, probably. You guys have a nice rest of the week. Yeah, you do. Good talking, Bianca. Uh, all right. Thank, thank you. you. Here's thank what you for I calling in. Appreciate Here's it. Here's what I want to know about this. Number one, well, why can't well we know the answer, but I'm just asking this rhetorically. Why can't the United States ramp up its energy production to make up for the shortfall that should be coming out of Russia, particularly when and if the United States, if it means what it says, imposes sanctions upon the main source of their income, energy production? And number two, I'd like to know why it is the Russian government is negotiating a nuclear deal in Iran on behalf of the United States as we speak. Why is that? With the approval of the Biden true. administration. True. True. Very true. Well, uh, those are good questions, valid questions. Uh, let's see, tonight's Monday, so uh, check out the uh, uh, Republic podcast uh, radio show tomorrow night. I don't know if I'll be simulcasting or not with them. I don't know, but uh, they'll be on it, uh, I believe it's 6 o'clock tomorrow, Republic, uh, and for the people. Uh, I don't know what they got going on, but I know they're on, so uh, check them out if you can. And if not, sorry, thanks for calling in. But, yeah, we got a lot to talk about, a lot. I didn't want to open up any more uh, firms here so we had to go into overtime. But, uh, yeah, I got a lot of work to do anyway because it's campaigning time, you know. So, uh, but, uh, Sarge, thanks for the call in tonight. And uh, what should we wrap it up with tonight? What do you think? Uh, well, who, I forgot. Who's your mill? Uh, no, that was Bert. He liked uh, Patton, actually. Uh, I got something here from Patton, a speech from Patton. Uh, um, uh, this is General Patton. Um, I think I still got it. Uh, it was a speech from 1944, I think it was. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, General Patton. Here it is. About ten minutes long. Let's play some General Patton. Oh yeah. 
California welcomes home its fighting son, General George S. Patton. Ladies and gentlemen, here comes General Patton to the microphone, standing very erect. And now, he's about to speak. Your Honor, the Mayor, General Doolittle, soldiers, ladies and gentlemen, it's very difficult for me to speak because what you have just seen is not a phantasma but damn near a reality. And God forgive me, I love that sort of war. Coming over here, over a thousand miles, Ladies and gentlemen, they're adjusting the microphone at this time for General Patton. The crowd is not hearing him, and they can hardly see him because of all the smoke from this simulated battle scene down here. They have adjusted the microphone, and he's about to speak again. Coming over here. I, as a young lieutenant, 
wrote a very damn good people case and miscounted the number of times around the court and pulled up reading and the other one is passing. Don't do that. We are not around the court the last time yet. Don't pull up now. This war is only half won. You must win the rest of it. You must remember this, that from Brent to various towns in southern Germany and Austria, whose names I can't pronounce, whose places I have removed, <laughs>
until the end of February. Fields of snow. Color was dead. Dead men in awful conditions. When a man is killed at 17 below, he freezes like that. And he freezes in nasty color. I am being as horrible as I can. I have to up my name that. But I don't enjoy it. I'm trying to bring back the old back. What these souls have given I'm trying to bring back the old back of the things that General Dolan and I have gone through. God damn it, it's no fun to take a man to do out. Go out, go out and get killed. And we have to say it. And by God, they have gone. And they have won. But I want you to remember that the sacrifice that these men have made must not be in vain. This war, as I say, is only half won.
appeal to heaven. What did heaven do? Heaven heard. Heaven heard. Our fathers said they would treat all men equal. When they did not, heaven saw. Heaven saw. Our fathers fought each other and paid a great price. Father Abe kept the union, but not the republic. We forgot the republic and placed our trust in man and suffer oppression. We appeal to heaven. What did heaven do? Now let's set the record straight. There's no argument over the choice between peace and war. But there's only one guaranteed way you can have peace, and you can have it in the next second. Surrender. Admittedly, there's a risk in any course we follow other than this. But every lesson of history tells us that the greater risk lies in appeasement. And this is the specter our well-meaning liberal friends refuse to face, that their policy of accommodation is appeasement. And it gives no choice between peace and war, only between fight or surrender. If we continue to accommodate, continue to back and retreat, eventually we have to face the final demand, the ultimatum. And what then? When Nikita Khrushchev has told his people, he knows what our answer will be. He has told them, that we're retreating under the pressure of the Cold War and someday when the time comes to deliver the final ultimatum, our surrender will be voluntary because by that time we will have been weakened from within spiritually, morally and economically. He believes this because from our side he's heard voices pleading for peace at any price or better rev than death or as one commentator put it, he'd rather live on his knees than die on his feet. And therein lies the road to war because those voices don't speak for the rest of us. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? 
Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shotters around the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. Winston Churchill said the destiny of man is not measured by material competitions. When great forces are on the move in the world, we learn we're spirits, not animals. And he said there's something going on in time and space and beyond time and space, which, whether we like it or not, spells duty. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Let me make this an absolute fact. The goal is world peace. That must be our prime responsibility. We are the leader of the free world, whether we want to be or not. And therefore, we are the only ones that can preserve the peace. And to do that, we must have strength. Meeting this mission and its responsibility for preserving the peace, which I believe is a responsibility peculiar to our country, that we cannot shirk our responsibility as a leader of the free world because we're the only one that can do it.